0: what's happening hardscapers this is episode 87 of the how to hardscape podcast where we talk to you about how you can start and grow your hardscaping business and on today's episode we are joined by aaron witt he is the founder of build wit media group and host of the dirt talk podcast and he joins us today to talk about marketing branding and building and sharing your business story, your company's story, so you can build that brand and build that team out from that, creating that company culture. So without further ado, here's our interview with Aaron. Today, we're joined by Aaron Witt, the founder of BuildWit Media Group and the host of the Dirt Talk Podcast. Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here.
1: Absolutely, I'm, I'm excited, to, excited to be here.
0: And among many other things, you have many different Instagram accounts that I, I'm sure we're going to get into and, and talk about and, and the photography that you do and everything that Build With Media Group does along with it. So to get started, I kind of want to skip over your introduction into the construction industry because that's covered on the Dirt Talk podcast. And if you aren't already following along and subscribe to the Dirt Talk podcast, Aaron's got two back to back episodes there that cover his introduction into the construction industry, which are definitely worth a good listen, but let's get right into Buildwit Media Group. And what prompted you to start this? What clients do you serve with this? What is your sort of uh, what sort of got the the machine rolling in terms of starting this Buildwit Media Group?
1: Yeah, I originally I wanted to start a construction company. So the plan was to go work for as many construction companies as I could to see how most people do it, and then go save a little bit of money and take that experience and go start my own business, maybe when I was 30 or so. So I, I graduated, I started working in construction after school. And right right when I graduated, around the same time from college with an engineering degree, I started sharing um, some of the photos and videos I had from my construction experience so far on the internet. I looked at social media, I looked at what the unique stories I could tell in, in my life were. I looked at what uh, the opportunities were on social media, and I saw that there, no, there weren't too many people posting about the industry overall, and there wasn't too much high-quality storytelling in in the dirt world, as I call it, which is heavy construction, infrastructure, and and mining. So I started sharing my my just cell phone pictures. I started. Uh, I bought a little drone. I started flying around town over construction projects, posting those photos online. And uh, it just started to grow since no one else was really doing it. And yet there was a, a big community of people that loved that online that really wanted to see that stuff um, and, and hear the stories about the industry. So it started to grow. And I, while I was working construction, a uh, construction software company found me. They wanted me to run a, a program called I Build America. They found me because of my social media presence. So I interviewed there, and and it was just too good to turn down. So I moved down to Houston, Texas, and and tried to do that for a little bit. Got tired of that, um, quit a few months later. And at that time, I had a little bit of a following online, and just said, you know what, I'm gonna go try to uh, try to make something of this. Try to go take some pictures on job sites around the country and post them online, and go build social media presences for these construction companies and help them hire more people and get more business. And it's just, uh, it's grown from there. So it started with me and a camera just driving around in my little Toyota Camry. (laughs) And, uh, here we are, you know, one, two, six, a few years later, and it's, it's definitely grown.
0: And Toyota Camry to the trucks that you guys have now, you're definitely building on something, but getting back to those roots with Instagram, what was your goal when you when you started that that Instagram account and you started posting these pictures? Did you have a goal in the, in the frame of mind? Obviously, uh, I would assume that you didn't think that uh, it would be creating a media company based from those first, you know, few photos that you started posting. What no. was the goal initially?
1: Well, and, and even when I quit my job to go try to start a company, I, I don't even think I realized I was starting a media company at the time. But the goal... For social media wasn't, and it still isn't really about attention. Or I don't, I don't like attention. My personality, I'm, I'm very, I'm very introverted. I, I don't, uh, I don't like interacting with people all that much. And, and so I, I, I never did it for, for that reason. I did it just to share about the world that I love so much. I love, love, love the dirt world. I'm just absolutely in love with this world that that builds um, the, the world around us and that no one could live without. So I wanted to share my experiences uh, from the industry, and that was the platform to do it. So that was the goal initially and and still is the goal of what I do online is just to share uh, about the dirt world, educate people about the dirt world, educate about the, the career opportunities, educate about what it takes to build things around us, maybe even it, it inspire people that Maybe they'll never be working in the dirt world, but at least give them the appreciation for what the dirt world actually does for them day to day, because they couldn't, like I said, they couldn't live without it. They couldn't drive to work. They couldn't turn the faucet on. They couldn't turn their lights on without these people out there working a lot of times 365 days a year to serve society. So that's, that's always been the, the, the purpose is to just tell that story in the most authentic, high quality manner possible.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you start build with Media Group, and what what is the vision, and what clients are you serving to start out with? And are you still serving those those clients, or has your kind of vision changed since the initial startup? Yeah, the initial
1: year was really a, a big learning process for for me. It was trying to find who, we can serve best, so we just tried to kind of see whatever stuck that first year. We worked with some smaller grading contractors up until, up to, the largest companies in in the United States in whatever given area they they serve. Some of the biggest mining companies, some of the biggest equipment companies, and uh, we got you know fired from quite a few of them and and lost a lot of the work that we did originally because we we just. We we're getting into relationships that that didn't serve either party, uh, and and they were looking for something that we couldn't provide. We were looking for something that they couldn't provide. So after that first year, we really narrowed it down to who we want to work with, and that's uh, forward-thinking, heavy heavy construction equipment mining businesses. They have to treat their people right. They want to be the future of the industry. They're they're heavily implementing technology. They have great equipment programs. They're they're just thinking differently. They want to be that that future Dirt World, not, not the past Dirt World like a lot of companies are today. There um, are certain size, they need to be on the larger side of things. They can't be just a local grading contractor because it's not very economical for them. It's not very economical for us. And uh, we don't work with direct competitors. So if, if we're already working with a company in a specific region and they directly compete with a company that also reaches out, we automatically turn them down. And then we just want to work with companies in the dirt world. So we just work with heavy civil, uh, heavy equipment, and, and mining companies only. That's all we do. So whenever manufacturers reach out to us, general contractors reach out to us, home builders, whatever it may be, we just say, this isn't our world that, that we operate in. So we wish we could help you, but we, we can't. So so that's who we work with now is we work with about 25 um, dirt world businesses around the United States. We work in about half the US states now. And these are contractors that do anything from residential site development, you know, building large subdivisions, to doing tunneling projects, to mining coal for power plants, to supplying heavy equipment to steel mills. So we, we, we see a lot of different industries. We see a lot of different work. We see a lot of different states and places and people. So it's, it's a lot of fun to cover such a wide geographic area. And, and the goal is to keep it growing to about around 50 great companies around the United States. We don't want to scale it to the moon. We just want to find those great, you know, 50 great partners that we can, that we can grow with for the next 40, 50 years, have those really long-term relationships with.
0: Mm-hmm. And then can you get into a little bit of the uh, services that you provide these companies?
1: Yeah, so I like I said, it started with just pictures. I uh, taking pictures for me. I don't. I'm not a big fan of photography. I'm not a big fan of cameras. Photography is just a means for me to get onto these job sites and capture these stories that I love. So, when I first started, I started taking pictures with with a camera, um, using those pictures to build social media presences for the companies we were working with. So they were hiring me to do their social media, which is still it's, it's a mature concept around the world, but it's still very new to construction and mining. So that's how I started. And then they started asking, well, um, could you help us with a website? Or could you help us with a video project? Or we're trying to do these paid ads, we don't really know what we're doing. So we just have naturally added digital marketing services over the past few years. So now, We do anything digital marketing, whether that be paid advertising campaigns, whether that be very large dynamic websites now, whether that be rebranding entire companies, you know, doing logos, doing mission and values, that kind of thing. And we've hired really smart people that that are subject matter experts in every single one of these categories. So I don't necessarily know how paid advertising works. Um, I don't know how to build a website, but I don't need to know how to how to build a website. I don't need to know how to do paid advertising. I just need to find that 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 great person that does know, I need to educate them on the industry, how to speak the language of the industry, what the vision for the company is, what the vision, what why we're doing what we're doing. And then I need to give them my trust and just allow them to do their job. So that's what we've done. And we've built our team to be those subject matter experts across the board, uh, which is why we've been able to grow each area of our business um, pretty quickly over the past year or two.
0: Mm-hmm. And that provides a lot of context into what we're going to get into in this interview. Um, beginning with, uh, you mentioned story in there with with a business and telling a business's story. And now I assume this differs depending on that business's goal, but uh, whether that be, you know, trying to get more recruits, more hires into the business, whether that's increasing sales. but. When a business comes to you and they want you to tell their story, where do you even start with that? How do you get down to the bottom of that business and what story you're going to tell with that business? That's
1: a really good question. So when it, when it comes to storytelling, when it comes to marketing, there's a few, we've identified four reasons why you would invest in marketing. One is to go get new work, to acquire new projects, to expand market share. To, to increase brand recognition, ultimately to drive revenue growth. So that's one. Two, attract new people to your business. So uh, for hiring, if you're growing, you need to find more people. You need to get the word out about your business. If, if you have better marketing, you're going to have uh, you know better recruiting means in, in and in a larger pool to draw from. Three is that internal communication piece. As companies grow, internal communication starts to become more and more difficult, especially with construction companies that are spread across multiple cities, multiple states. Um, you want to educate people on what the company's doing as a whole. And then that last part, our mission behind our company, making the dirt world a better place, um, that's that's our number four, is, is it all contributes to just making the dirt world a better place, telling the industry story to inspire that next generation. So those are really the key the key reasons. So when we start to tell the story of a company, the companies that, that we work with, they typically approach us and they they're curious. They've seen the storytelling we do for other companies online. Um, a lot of times Instagram or, or LinkedIn or, or YouTube or whatever it may be, or they'll they'll go to another construction company's website and they see that, oh wow, okay. So they're I guess they're working with BuildBit. They reach out to us, which shows that they're curious about telling their story in the first place. So that's step one is just making sure that. They have the desire to tell their story. We don't want to beat our heads against the wall and try to have to convince someone of something they don't want to do. So that's step one. They want to tell their story. Step two, we sit down. It, it starts at the top. So we sit down with the company's leadership and really start to identify, all right, why are we telling the story? What are you guys trying to do with your business? What are your business goals? What are your growth goals? What, what are your biggest problems? And then how can we to, to design you know a storytelling, quote unquote, campaign to start attacking those problems. And then we work with them to identify just kind of the why of the business. And so it all starts at the top. So say we want to go drive recruiting for a business. We're going to heavily focus on the people of the business. So now all of our content, our, our web development, our, our advertising campaigns, all, everything from, from from the top down is going to be all surrounding their people. So we're going to do specific, you know, people feature videos. We're going to have a people page on their website, telling people stories. We're going to be advertising using, you know, photos of their their people, videos of their people, talking about their experiences, talking about why they got into the industry. Um, so it really just starts from the top, really understanding, taking time to understand what a company's biggest problems are and then looking at our toolbox of, of marketing tools to sit there and say, okay, here's the problem and here are the tools we're going to utilize to try to attack that problem. Because at the end of the day, we want to drive value for the company. So if their company is not better off as a result of working with us, we're failing and they should not continue paying us. Uh, a lot of companies, marketing companies don't have that view. Um, they they just wanna sell these tricks and and what I, I, I basically call it snake oil because that's what it is, it's just all this nonsense. We wanna drive real value at the end of the day. That's our mission, make the dirt world a better place. To make the dirt world a better place, we need to make these companies better, grow these companies uh, across the country, ha- allow them to hire more people, do more projects. So it all comes back to that mission, it all comes back to driving value.
0: So when you are telling a business's story, how do you decide which media uh, you are going to use to be able to tell that whether it's photography, videography, um, you know, as well as where are you going to decide you're going to tell that story? Do you just hit every social media platform? Do you put it on their website or is there more of a strategic thing to this in terms of we're going to tell the story this way and this is where we're going to tell the story?
1: Um. So up until now, it's just kind of been, we just tell the story. We just, we just get it out there. So regardless, depending on the business goals, we'll, we'll figure out what kind of story we need to tell. Like, do we need to really focus on their capabilities? Do we need to focus on a specific service? Do we need to focus on their people? But usually uh, we just put it all out there uh, for everyone to see. Every, there's different people on different platforms. So even if you're putting the same story on multiple platforms, you're reaching new audiences. You want it all on the website because that's if you want to learn about a company today, what do you do? You Google them. And, and what does Google pr- pr- provide you? Well, they provide websites. So you want your website to reflect who you are uh, today. Uh, so we put, it, we put it everywhere. It's just a matter of deciding from the beginning what stories do we really want to tell. When we initially work with a lot of companies, we kind of have what's called an onboarding phase where we get them caught up. So that's just, you know, getting them caught up with the marketing fundamentals, getting them a brand new, real beautiful website, getting that general like content base together of of nice new photos, nice new video, really, uh, you know, a new brand, really just give them the foundation. And then from there, is, is what we say. That, that, that's when the fun really starts is that we can start to dig into a lot of the, of the more detailed stories. Like we just did a, a video project featuring the the former CEO of Midwest Amol, a tunneling contractor. He just stepped down a few months ago as CEO. He was the one that really created the company. And before he walks off, we wanted to make sure his, his story was captured. So we interviewed probably 15 people, 20 people at the company about him. We interviewed him, we spent a whole day or two with him and and, and put his story together in a really beautiful video format. So, the, his story will always be there. And so, if someone comes into Midwest Mole 15 years from now, they may have never met Dan, but they'll be able to watch this video and really understand, all right, here's what he stood for, here's how he built this business, and here's how I can carry that legacy forward as well. So, it's that's the kind of storytelling we really like to do is, is Look even look past what the business goals are, and look pa- and, and look at what are the unique stories at this company that we need to tell. And let's go out and tell those too, just for the sake of the, the company, their legacy, and for for us to have fun and and drive more change in the dirt world. Because seeing a video like that is arguably a lot more. Um, you, you feel a lot more seeing a video like that than even a, a, a video that's really badass showing what a company does day to day, as far as that work's concerned, it's, it's just a, a lot deeper, a lot more meaningful. Um, so that's, that's how
0: we do things. So when I, when a company comes to you, do you find that they are, uh, it, you can speak on this however you wish, because I don't know uh, exactly if this kind of puts you into a bind with companies that are currently with you, but uh, do, does a company, is a company self-aware in terms of, whether they need to rebrand, whether they need to redo their website and have a complete brand overhaul, or is this something that they come to you and they say, what do we need to do?
1: So one, I put myself into minds all the time. So, is, <laughs> um, I, and, and I guess before I go any further, I just want to say we have no idea what we're doing. We've had to make all this up and we're just learning the trial and error. But they come to us because they've seen the storytelling we do for other companies mm-hmm. and so they 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 defer to us they've never done marketing before, so we have a lot of creative freedom and we we basically set the expectations from the beginning of hey we're we know what we're doing um, and and we're we, we, we're really good at what we do so we're're we're, if, if we tell you that we probably ought to go in this direction, we highly recommend you listen. Are we going to force you to listen no, but Every relationship we have, um, we just basically they they come to us and they say we need to tell our story, but we don't really know how. So they already come to us with that understanding of yeah, we just don't we don't know how to do this or we don't have the resources to do it, whatever it may be. So they really defer to our our judgment, which which sets up the relationship for success from the very beginning, and and then we take them through the process, we educate them. It's 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 a lot of time spent educating. All the companies we work with on how to market themselves, how to tell their story, what story they need to tell. Are some of them uncomfortable at, at the beginning? Absolutely. Um, a lot of the companies we work with, a lot of the, the individuals that have started these companies, they're very private people. They're very humble people. They don't at all want the spotlight to be on them. However, you need to tell some of their story. You need to put some of the spotlight on them, and, and that makes them very uncomfortable at first. But once they see the results, they start to really understand the bigger picture. So, so they defer to us, I guess, is the answer to, to that question. Um, and and they, they largely understand that they don't know what they're doing from the beginning. The, the problem that I found in the past is when you have uh, existing marketing people at some of these companies that think that they're experts, um, and maybe they are in in one specific area, but a lot of times they're they're a pain in a pain in the ass because they they try to they want to they want to show how much they know or they want to justify their position, whatever it may be. We want to work with them. We're not there to replace them. We're we're there to help them. But sometimes they don't see it like that, and they they there's whatever it may be, they've, they've caused some issues, not, not now, it's mostly been, been something in the past where um, they'll have a marketing person, they bring us in, they feel a little threatened by us. It's like, no, 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 we're actually here to help. We, don't, we, we want you here. It's a good thing that they have internal marketing, uh, but that's when it's been a little bit of a trouble. But, but they know the companies we work with now, they're all fantastic. They know that, that we know what we're doing and I'm never going to tell them how to move dirt, for example. They're really, really good at what they do. So we're not there to help them be better at moving dirt. We're there to just tell their story and and help them win new work, find more people, improve their culture.
0: Now, continuing with that self awareness part, uh, are they do they know their purpose? Do they have a set mission statement or values in the business, or are these things too that they that they uh, come to you and and look to your advice on?
1: Um, that's really step one, and that's that's been the most surprising not, I mean, I guess it's been surprising to me is that none of these companies really have that higher purpose. They do have that higher purpose. Like I said, You know, if they're a road building contractor, well, okay, the roads that they're using or that they're building, people are driving their kids to school. People are driving to work. Ambulances are using them to get people to the hospital. They're really, really important. So there's a really important fundamental purpose behind their work, but they haven't ever defined it and they don't, they don't train on it. They don't talk about it. With and that's been fine in the past, right? The last, the past generations have been okay with without a higher purpose, as long as they get a paycheck, as long as they have job security, they're okay. My generation, that's changed. I'm 25. I want to know what that. Why am I going to work? Why am I putting in all these hours? What's that higher purpose behind my work? I want that defined. I want that to be a big core tenant of the business that I'm. I'm dedicating myself to. And, and I'm trying to educate our industry on that. Some, a lot of other industries have started to figure that out. Ours hasn't. So we haven't ever spent time on really defining it. So that's what we spend a lot of time with now uh, with the companies we work with defining that higher purpose. And um, that goes to what we've done with our business. I want our business to serve as an example for the businesses we work with. And so that's why we've been so diligent about defining our higher purpose, training on our higher purpose, talking about our higher purpose all the time, uh, defining our values, training on our values, recognizing people for our values. And and, and so we're doing all the things that we're telling these companies to do. Uh, First, we're practicing them. We're working it out within our own business. So then when we go to tell them, hey, you ought to do this because it's a really good idea, we can speak from experience on the subject, so that's one of the first steps of of this whole storytelling process with any business we work with is sitting them down and and asking them, why do you guys get out of bed in the morning? What's what's the why behind what you guys do? Um, and a lot of the businesses we work with, the why is pretty similar because they're all infrastructure businesses. They're all moving dirt. It's it's a it's a similar why, and that's okay. It 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 can be similar. It just has to be defined and has to have purpose and has to have meaning and has to be talked about within the business. So that's that's a big piece of what we do.
0: So that being a big piece of what you do, I'm sure that that comes down to having a, a cost associated with it that the business incurs by bringing you guys on. So what is the ROI? What is the return on investment to really nail down a business's purpose and set a mission statement and, and understand their values? For them, what is the return on investment to do this?
1: So... <sighs> I mean, that's if if I could define the ROI, that would make my job a lot easier. <laughs> and when I started the business, we we obviously could not prove ROI because we had never done it before. Uh-huh. It had never really been done in the industry before. Um, and we didn't have any data. So in the early days, people were just buying me. They were buying my vision for for everything. They were buying my my storytelling. Uh, and they were trusting me that they would eventually see ROI. And I genuinely believed they would eventually see ROI. I just didn't know when or how and because I, I had never done it either. So I didn't really know. I knew deep down, but I didn't really know. So it's taken us a few years. Marketing is, is like, uh, I explain it, it's like investing. So if you go invest in the market, if you if you invested a week ago, if you're expecting to go double your money within a week, that's, that's completely absurd. And if someone's telling you that they can go double your money in a week, um, I would not give them your money because that's, that's total nonsense. That's just not how things work. That's not how investing works. Investing, the wealthiest people in the world, they've, they've gotten wealthy based on compounding. So they continuously invest for a long period of time. And at first, the, the rate of return is small. But as that result compounds, and as the money sits there for more and more years, the result becomes more and more dramatic. So marketing is the exact same principle. You need to put a lot of money in. You need to continuously invest in it. You're going to see a little bit of return up front, but you're not going to see very much until you've been doing it for a consistent, long period of time. So the companies that we've been working for the longest, in theory, should be seeing the most dramatic results. And that is absolutely the case, which is very exciting, is companies like Rosso Constructors out of uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, just, just south of where I am in Nashville, they are seeing uh, arguably some of the most dramatic returns on investment. And, and what are those returns? Well, um, it's it's returns in, in their culture and, and how uh, the people feel valued there. It's returns in them winning jobs, they just won their largest job to date uh, because of their, their online presence because of their partnership with BuildWit, quite literally, is, is what we heard from the company that awarded them the project. They also reached out to us to tell them to tell us that. So that's an enormous return on investment right there. And, and you only have to win one job to justify a lot of times multiple years of marketing expenses. You don't need to go win a lot of jobs. You really just need to win that, that one decent sized job. Uh, it's allowed them to hire more people. And, and even when I was out on a site, uh, it was probably two months ago now, a guy in a, a D6 dozer, he stopped, he got, got out of the machine. He just, he said, I know I just wanted to shake your hand. I just moved my family from Indiana to Tennessee because I, I learned about Rosso through you. Um, I started researching them. They looked like a great company to work for. And so I I basically changed my whole life to work here and I love it now and he's doing great. That's that's ROI. You know how much money is one great operator worth to that business? It's a lot of money, a lot of money. Um, so that's those are the kind of results we're starting to see. Are we're, we're, we're able to drive job applications? We're able to get people hired. Uh, we're able to um, accelerate growing their culture. We're able to legitimately win them new work. Um, so so now we're starting to see tangible results of of what we're doing. And we again we practice. All the same principles with our own business and that's how we've grown our own business. That's how we get all, all our work is, is sharing on social media is telling stories consistently and it's worked out really well for us too.
0: I love that and the consistent um, nature to you know, marketing and branding and seeing that ROI over a longer period of time. I like the analogy you use there with investing in the market. You're not going to expect a return next week but it's those years and years that follow that, you know, you, you build up that investment portfolio and that's marketing and branding. And um, when it, I'm going to assume that you you may not know uh, exactly the the Businesses, financials, and to be able to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Do do businesses have a certain percentage of, say, gross sales or net profit that they allocate towards marketing and branding? Or is this something that will vary from business to business?
1: Every other industry does, typically. Um, our industry doesn't because they've never invested in marketing before. A mm-hmm. lot of companies would argue that point. I would say there's, there's been almost no investment in marketing. Um, so we're trying to get it to that, to that model where they are investing a certain percentage of revenue in marketing. Um, the problem with, with our industry is that margins are so low. So typically, it's just a few percentage points that that a, a company's operating within, which is one of the key problems in the industry. Is that you know everything's bid for nothing, and no one's really making much money. Um, but uh, it's it's not there yet. So and 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 to go on the access we have to their financials, we actually do have pretty good access to the financials of most of the businesses we work with because that's we 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 call them partners for a reason. We're we're, we're part of their business. We're, we're a real part of their business. They're a real part of our business. So the better they do, the better we do. And and vice versa, if we do better, they do better. So we need to know exactly where they financially stand so that we can best drive value, best impact their business. And because we don't work with their direct competitors, they're willing to share that information with us. And, and, then, and just because we built long uh, relationships now with every company we've worked with and really shown them that we are we do stand by what we say we're going to do and we are trustworthy individuals. They're willing to trust us with that information. So so we do have access to a lot of that now, which is pretty cool.
0: Gotcha. So what is this change in this industry that you've seen where uh, companies will are more likely to bring on a company like uh, Build With Media Group? What, like, Because I, I would assume it has something to do with the nature of the industry being more of a word of mouth industry. I, I don't know if that applies to the DIRT Industry, but definitely in the contractor, uh, landscape construction, hardscape industry, uh, and they don't see the value in putting money forward into marketing and branding because they have this uh, word of mouth coming in. Uh, is that something similar into? And in, is there a change that you've seen in the industry that allows businesses to you know move forward with a Build With Media Group?
1: The 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 key change is people. So we have a lot of people retiring right now, and we have a lot of older people right now. And these companies are starting to get smart enough to see the problem is, is okay, if we have all these older people and all these people retiring and leaving our business, and we're really struggling to attract these younger people, what are we going to do? What, how are we going to bridge that gap? We need to do something different. We need to try something else. And okay. You know, maybe we do need to start educating people about our industry. Maybe we can't just keep operating within this little veil of of secrecy for no reason. Maybe we do need to put ourselves out there, be more vulnerable, and show people who who we are as an industry. Uh, and and so that's I think what's 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 the big what the big change is. So that's that's the core reason for marketing. I would argue, or at least how these companies see it, we see it a little differently. Is they need to attract new people. Um, and then it's, it's a lot of uh, these newer, younger companies starting to become larger now. Um, so people that have started their company, you know, five, 10 years ago in their 20s, they're now in their 30s. The company's now a little bit more mature. They're now starting to become a larger player in the market. They already think differently. They're just trying to um, find new ways to do things. So we, we a lot of those companies hire us on, or it's these older companies that have been around for a long time, but they're transitioning to the next generation. So they're transitioning to someone maybe in their 30s or something like that, who's seen the value of social media, who's seen the value of marketing elsewhere, and wants to bring that into their their company as well, and and exploit the value of of storytelling um, for the for the gain of their own business as well. So that's that's really the driver, and that's why we're able to do what we do. Um, that said, it's still a very new market. We were still largely creating the market we're serving. Um, so it, it, that, that creates a lot of problems. That creates a lot of failures for us. That creates a lot of problems we need to solve, but it also creates a lot of opportunity at the same time.
0: Yeah, and uh, you mentioned people a lot there and that comes down to uh, the culture that the business creates from that branding. And that's the next thing I want to get into with you is culture, and um, you know what what does culture mean to you, especially being a business owner now with Buildwood Media Group, and does that same culture building process apply to a uh, dirt business, to a landscape construction business? Like, what, what is culture?
1: I mean, it's so intangible. It's hard to hard to explain. The best way. At least how I want it to be for a for our business we're building an office right now and it'll be done in the summer and so it's going to be another year before it's it's filled up with with people and, and is where we want it to be but and we've never had an office before we've been totally remote for the past three years but I want it to be when someone walks into our office it feels different it, 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 it there's something about it there's just a different feeling there that 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 makes them want to be there that makes it makes everyone just just want to stick around and ask, like, just man, what is it about this place that makes it so different, so electric, so it just draws me in and, and really makes me want to be here. So I think it's 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 just like an overall feeling of of the business of of being there, of dealing with that business, and 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 how they present themselves. I don't I don't think it's a lot of this artificial nonsense. For us, we've built culture by by caring for people by investing in people. Like I was telling you before this call, I mean, we, we just invested a lot of money in giving everyone two weeks off around the holidays because I think that's the right thing to do. I want to give them time to spend with their families. And I even gave them spending money to, and I, and I required, I said, all right, I'm going to give you this money and you're required to spend it by December 31st. You can spend it however you want, but you need to spend it. Go spend it on your on Christmas gifts. Go spend it on experience for your family. Go Go take a, a small vacation. Whatever you do, I want you to really really care for yourself we have flexible time off because I don't need to be telling someone when they can and can't take off we have uh, we pay hundred percent health insurance for all our people we pay 50% for our families we're, we're developing a 401k program we we present our, our financials of our business every quarter and explain exactly where the where the company stands financially uh, we spend a lot of time training on our values it's 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 a lot of a lot of that it's just it's just a lot of caring for people, a lot of giving to people at the company before expecting a lot in return from them. That's how, I guess that's how we're building our culture, um, listening to people, allowing people to make their own decisions, allowing people to have control over their destiny and, and themselves as an individual. I don't need to be controlling them. They're, they're an adult. They can do what they say they're going to do. Is, uh, I think these are all sound principles because this is what I've I've seen elsewhere. At, at great companies that I want to emulate, and because I just think it's the right thing to do. Do we have a lot of data proving that it's the right way to do it? Uh, not yet, because we're still really young. So only time will tell. But I think we're headed in the right direction. I think people really do enjoy being uh, working with us. We don't have high turnover like a lot of other businesses. Everyone's really excited to be there. We're 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 performing at a very high level across the board. So. I think we do, or are starting to get some data, and, and over the next few years, it should be a lot more concrete. So I think it's a lot of stuff like that 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 creates culture. Um, but we don't—I don't really feel like I need to go talk about culture all the time. I think it's something that you that you uh, spend time on, that you that you train on, that that you're very deliberate about. But also, it's like there's a general that said if you're talking about morale, uh, it's probably not that good. Like when morale is the best, you're not talking about it, you're not having to talk about how good morale is. It's the same thing with culture. If you're having to talk about how, how good your culture is all the time, it's probably not that good. Um, and, and in our industry, everyone thinks culture is having a Christmas party once a year and you know, maybe buying pizza for guys every, every three months. That's not really culture. I think culture is a lot more, a lot deeper than that. It's a, it's a sense of belonging. Um, it's a sense of it's, it's excitement. It's it's really being able to provide uh, what humans desire, um, and and so that's that's what we aim for in our own business, and that's what we're trying to inspire the companies we work with to also do in their businesses.
0: So when you set these values in this mission statement with a business, and uh, is it kind of up to them to pick it up from there and to run with it, to build a culture based on those values? Or is this something that you guys will do? Uh will, will train the, the company on and monitor how it goes. Cause really it's, it's all up to the business in terms of how they implement it and how, you know, long-term uh, they are able to implement it throughout the business. Because, you know, from the top down that that might get skewed in some sort of way and people might fall off of the the values that that company holds how has this been kind of brought up has this been uh, any way of kind of measuring or continuing to train these values into a company
1: so right now we're we're good at uh, at defining them Working through that process, um, but 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 now it's it's that in between of hey, like you guys need to go pick this up because it's not our business, it's your business, and and, mm-hmm. and and we 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 can't we we can't instill your values. Like you need to go do that. You need to understand the value of this in the first place. Um, but we haven't done a very good job, really, truly communicating the value of spending so much time on higher purpose and values, I think we could do a lot better job there. Um, and then we can do a lot better job training um, for our, our, our own company and for um, the, the, our partners. So like one of my key investments over the next three months, I want to hire someone full time to do training um, within our business and to create a really robust training program that's, you know, we put everyone through a week of training, uh, no matter what position they're in in the business before they ever do their job. Um, so, we're going to try to do, you know, figure out the best methods to train on, on all of these subjects with ourselves first. And then we'll probably have the resources and abilities to go help our partners do the same thing within their businesses. I think the, the, biggest, the biggest missing piece is training, is, is that initial training uh, when you bring people into an organization. And then on that ongoing training, that ongoing conversation uh and that's something that most of our partners don't have at all there's there's very little training in this industry if if any training whatsoever
0: Mm -hmm. so so important i love i love everything i could talk to you for a long time definitely but um i definitely urge people to go check out the dirt talk podcast wide variety of topics there uh some of my favorite being the mental health topics in the industry Excellent work over there, Aaron. What is what is the goal of Dirt Talk podcast for you?
1: Um, it's just an extension of our mission: make the dirt world a better place. It's it's a means to inspire people within the industry. Um, really m- make them understand why what they do is so important. Uh, it's a means to inspire that next generation uh, or inspire people that are in other careers that that haven't necessarily thought about the dirt world. Like, hey, you know, maybe this is something I could do. And it's just a means to give people um, an appreciation for the industry. like my my brother, he listened to it the other day and, and he was like, man, this is this is really cool. He has nothing to do with construction or mining. Um, but but he now has a newer a, a newfound appreciation for for what this industry does for society and for him personally. So that's it. And then selfishly too, it's just a means for me to have these longer conversations with all these people I've met. Um, and to become a better communicator and just just have a good time just, just kind of just have these random conversations with people. And, and all these blue car folks, they're, they're just such great people. and it's so much fun talking to these people. So um, there's there's a lot of, you know trying to trying to further our mission and then there's just a lot of that selfish intent of I just want I just like talking to people one-on- one and learning about who they are, what gets them going, uh, what they've done. And, and, and so I guess that's why. The podcast has done um, decently well is just i have that genuine curiosity as far as who these people are and, and and what they're doing day to day
0: and your openness and transparency both on the podcast and on this episode is greatly appreciated uh aaron thank you for your time here i i can't thank you enough from all the things we've talked about from branding Marketing culture and everything in between mission statement values. Lots of great, interesting topics that we covered here. Anything else that you want to leave our audience with? Any closing statements? And where can our audience go find out more about you and everything that you're doing?
1: Yeah. Um, we like you've like you've said, we have the the Dirt Talk podcast. It's been a very unprofessional production this whole year because again, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I've been doing it. And now I'm doing it in my spare bedroom. So really high-tech stuff, very high production quality. Uh, but but going into this year, we're going to be investing a lot of money in it. We're, we're building a new podcast, dedicated podcast studio in our office. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and we'll be doing a lot more in person, which I'm really excited about. So we have that. Um, Aaron Witt on LinkedIn, BuildWitt, B-U-I-L-D-W-I-T-T on Instagram. Um, and, and I just encourage people to Think about the built world, even if you have no interest, if you love your career as a, as a teacher or a nurse or whatever it may be, and have no interest in actually working for construction, just at least thinking about it um, because you couldn't do anything without it. It's, it's so fundamental, You know the, the, the fundamental human needs, food, water, shelter, we impact all three of those in a very intimate level. And, and none of the three would happen without the dirt world. And uh, so, at least just just think about it and 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 understand it. And um, you know, if someone you know wants to is expressing some curiosity in it, allow them to explore it. Don't just say, you know, well, no, no, that's that's a second rate career because it's not. Um, most of the happiest people, most of the most fulfilled people I know are in the dirt world. And I've met, you know, a lot of my dad's a, a lawyer, and and met lots of doctors and lots of very high accomplished people, and yet. The happiest, most fulfilled people I know are in the dirt world um, that seemingly should be at the at the bottom according to society, but it's just not the case. So just at least give it some thought the next time you're driving by a construction site or um, if you hear someone wanting to explore it, just maybe nudge them in a direction like, hey, yeah, go explore it because see if it's for you. And if it's for you, awesome, um, because it's, it's a really, really great world that, that everyone again depends on.
0: Aaron, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. Visit us at howtohardscape.com for more information on this subject and let us know what you want to learn about in future episodes by reaching out to us on our social channels. We are at howtohardscape on Facebook and Instagram or send us an email contact at howtohardscape.com. Thank you those to those that are reaching out to us, to those that are sharing what they want to hear more about in the future and those that are sharing our episodes online thank you so much we really do appreciate that can't do it without you and we'd love it if you subscribe to our podcast left us a rating and review if you're using apple it really helps us get this out there and to attract more great guests on this show to deliver you more value we look forward to meeting with you next week on the how to hardscape podcast